1: And what is going on out there in Irish Breakdown land? I am Vince D'Addari. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, uh, I won't say as always, like I do with Brian, but with me more often, which is fantastic, is our guy, Sean Davis. What's going on, Sean?
2: Vince, how you doing, my man?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's a new week. Well, I guess it was a new week yesterday. It's a new week for me today because we have school. Uh, Fall break is over, unfortunately. So I am back in the prison cell that is behind me. Uh, also known as a high school, but uh, we're we're back and we're we're talking uh, Notre Dame offense versus USC defense. We're 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 back in a game week, which is great. How did you how did you spend your bye week? That's a that's a good question. Working.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a bye week from my actual job. Uh, right. You know, playoff time, so it's pretty busy around the studio. So. Yeah, working and watching a great weekend of college football, actually.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Again, another yeah. another crazy week of college football. Definitely. You know, Purdue, I mean, beating Iowa. I don't think anybody thought Iowa was truly the number two team in the country, but yeah. they're certainly not anymore uh, with the Boilermakers doing their thing. And, uh, I mean, all the, the nuttiness that went on in Tennessee with, with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and, I mean, just down the line, just craziness all weekend, man.
2: Absolutely. And and the more this plays out, I've had this conversation with Malik. It's just funny that this is the year that you would want to be at your best if you're Notre Dame, considering the fact that the usual suspects of Clemson and Alabama might not be in the playoff. Yeah. like This is the opportunity for all the other teams to go win a national championship because the landscape is truly wide open and crazy on a weekly basis, like you said.
1: Yeah, we talked about it in the offseason that this might be the year where things are kind of anybody's game, I guess. Yeah. Um, which, which is crazy to think. Um, I, I, you know, I, we talked about it and I, I logically could see that that would be the case, but I still needed to be shown and it's been even nuttier than we thought it was going to be. So, I mean, it, this is... Look, an 11-1 Notre Dame team, there's still a lot in front of this team. There, there, There's no question about that, especially depending on how they take care of their business in the next six games.
2: Yeah, that Iowa game was definitely something that Notre Dame fans should be able to watch, take a step back and say, you know what, Purdue's defense is pretty good. Yeah. Like after struggling, Jeff Brown made the coaching moves in the offseason, and that side of the ball with Carl Loftus, he, he just destroys every offensive scheme for everyone that they face. He did it for Iowa. You know, they had like four guys blocking him in one play. Right. And that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then David Bell. I mean, right. he's, just, he's a beast. He played well. I thought Cam Hart had a pretty good game against David Bell. Agreed. You know, didn't allow him to have that monster game that he had against Iowa. So you take a step back and notice that Purdue was actually a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. And to be able to – the defense to hold Jeff Brom at that offense – Uh, the way they held them down, took them out of the end zone. I I just think it's certain things, certain games like that where you're able to see that and say, you know what? Maybe I was too hard on Notre Dame coming out of that Purdue game. And now you start to set the expectations for your own team uh, to the right temperature that it should have been all along.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really, that's a really good point. Um, You know, I think, I don't think Cam Hart gets the, the just, do that he deserves i mean he has done a great job of locking down the opposition um so much so that they don't throw in his direction anymore they're they're, yeah. they're not picking on 5 they're picking on 28 and 6 you know and, and obviously we talked about with our midterm grades those guys need to step up but i think cam hart has exceeded most people's expectations which is which is great as a first time starter a guy who obviously came in as an offensive player um you know has been playing corner for a year and a half i mean eight I I thought that he has played very, very well up to this point.
2: Man, when you have two guys in your secondary that teams are trying to stay away from, and Kyle Hamilton, it opens up opportunities for guys like Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey And Tariq was able to take advantage of that against Virginia Tech and come up with a big interception. So if you look for more of that, even if the youngsters like Ramon Henderson get into the game, they'll have opportunities to make plays, You look for those other guys in the secondary to make those plays for the rest of the season. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, today it's our Stacking Up uh, podcast, and we're going to talk Notre Dame's offense versus USC's defense. We're diving in to the opponent. Notre Dame plays USC Saturday night, 7.30 at home, which is fantastic. Normally we don't do a whole lot of uh, comments and, and questions, but we do have a super chat from Jay. So I do want to get it up here before we get started. Uh, Jay says, Sup, fellas! Tom Loy and Wilt Fong with crystal balls for Billy Shrout to Notre Dame. His dad seems to be pro-Notre Dame, which is great. Hopefully the staff gets this done. Could not agree with you more, Jay. First of all, thank you for the super chat. Really appreciate it. His dad is pro-Notre Dame. And honestly, from what I can gather from Brian, and he's a little closer to the situation than I am, Billy is pro-Notre Dame. It's just you know uh, there's a there's a few issues obviously um i brian said it in the last podcast that billy was a silent commit to notre dame for a little while
3: yeah.
1: um but you know this offensive line has not operated the way that they need to they're they're starting to come around a little bit i don't i wouldn't say the light is fully on i would say that it's you know not pitch black in the room anymore yeah. uh but the 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 light is starting to come on for this offensive line and you know if if you know what we're hearing, not what we're hearing, because I didn't hear it. Um if what some people in the media are hearing uh that this might be the the last season for the offensive line coach Jeff Quinn, then you know Billy Shroud, I think looks long and hard at Notre Dame, uh as opposed to staying in state.
2: Yeah, and I remember over the summer we were talking about the need to get one of these Wisconsin big big roles. Yeah, no doubt. Like, we have to give one to really prove we're taking that step forward in recruiting. Yeah, and to hear this news is very encouraging.
3: Yes, it is. To that class very
2: encouraging to that class. The Jeff Quinn news, like you said, there's rumblings out there. We don't know how much they're true. Right, or whether or not they're just rumors. But with that being said, what you do see is you see youngsters coming in and playing better. Yeah, than what was previously being given from a production standpoint, from the offensive line. And when you have other young guys that are in high school seeing that, seeing guys getting the opportunity and actually succeeding, that goes yeah. well. You know, and going up there and doing what they did against Wisconsin on the national stage, I'm sure, yo, know, that was great for this young man to see as well. So
1: sure it didn't hurt.
2: Didn't hurt at all. <laughs> so this is exciting news.
1: It is. I, I had news. no – I, I don't follow those guys, obviously, but yeah, this is, uh, I appreciate Jay, you bringing this to my attention because again, Brian, Brian's more the recruiting guy. He kind of, he really focuses on that when he can, and he's driving back from Virginia as we speak. So, uh, I, I'm sure that he can give more information on that the next time he's on the show, which I think will be tomorrow. Depends on how the trip home goes. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how that, how that transpires, but uh, I know that he's got a long way to go today, so uh, he's, he, it's going to be a little bit. But uh, that's, that's I hope you're right, Jay. I, I hope that everything is trending towards Notre Dame because that would be a huge, huge get for Notre Dame. Uh, a huge get, especially with the way things are transpiring uh, on the offensive line during the season.
0: So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate –
1: Sean, we're going to talk uh, the Notre Dame run offense mm-hmm. uh, versus the USC run defense. So let's throw it up here. Uh, I will apologize in advance; it is not as clean looking as when uh, Brian does it, but it, uh, usually it comes from his side of things. Uh, but you got your, you, we got our stats up here. Um, you know, look. Notre Dame has not run the ball very well this year. Uh, that is the understatement of the century. They're not yeah. even averaging 100 yards a game. That's 118th in the country. I mean every one of those statistics for Notre Dame is in triple digits. That is not normal for Notre Dame. That is not a good thing, but it is what we've seen all year long up to this point and things aren't going to change from a you know, excuse me a team ranking situation after one week. Um, you know, they had 180 yards on the ground, I do believe, uh, against Virginia Tech, which is great. Uh, but that needs to be that needs to trend the same way moving forward before we start getting overly excited about this run offense,
2: Sean. Well, this game for me, if you've watched USC any this year, they are extremely light in the pants. Yes, they, a don't, have, they don't have a true defensive tackle. And they have defensive ends, smallest defensive ends, trying to play on the inside. Their linebackers haven't been good. The top linebackers were injured before the season even started. And then their safety play has been atrocious. And they struggle tackling as a defense.
1: And that's that's the what that's what jumped off the screen to me was yeah. they are atrocious
2: at tackling.
1: I mean, yeah. just atrocious at tackling. Terrible.
2: So you think about that, you would lean towards Notre Dame. But like you said, now you look at Notre Dame's rushing offense, and you see all of the numbers in the hundreds, and you say to yourself, "Okay, something has to give in this matchup." And you would think that Notre Dame, which every game we hear Brian Kelly his pregame speech to the team talk about physicality, one play at a time, you know, taking the other team into deep waters, and right. Okay, this is the game where you show it. Because you're really facing a team that is soft, has been talked about as being extremely soft by the media that covers them. They're soft up the middle. They're not physical. So go ahead and pose your will. So for that, we can talk about the offensive line, Vince. We can talk about how the offensive line improved, how the running game looked better when Tyler Buckner was in there instead of Jack Cone. We can get into all of those semantics. This game for me comes down to Tommy Reese. Will you give a game plan that would allow your guys up front to go push USC around? Because they should be able to. It's as simple as that. Your guys, Patterson, Kristoffic, Madden, uh, Josh Lug, and then uh, Joe Alt. Yes. Go push these guys around because physically they can't stand up to you, and there's nothing they can do from a scheme standpoint to stop you from doing it. They can't stop the rush up the middle, and they definitely can't stop the rush on the edges. They can't set the edge. They're too small. So when you have that type of advantage, in my opinion, that's going to be laid right at the feet of Tommy Reese and his willingness to go ahead and allow his offense to be physical. Even if USC comes out and they're into the game because they've been in most of their games early. But by the time the third quarter comes around, they're worn down. And you have to continue that. Even if you're only getting two to three yards of carry early in the game, don't leave the run keep running the ball and it will pay dividends late in the second quarter for the rest of the game
1: yeah no i, I i'm with you 100% and i you know it, i like what you're saying you're laying it at the feet of Tommy Reese because i completely agree and it doesn't have anything to do with 13 personnel you know what i mean like yeah. you, you don't need 12 and 13 personnel to blow these guys off the line no you, you don't um and You know, there there are people I'm sure that would say you're playing into the hands of USC if you're trying to get out on the perimeter and do some things like that. I disagree. I I I I think that you can run your jets and you can run you know different things along those lines because it's it's not difficult to set the edge against these guys because they are light in the pants. Yeah, steal your phrase, which I love. Uh, I, I think that you you can push these guys around you can get out on the perimeter you can get Chris Tyree, you can get Braden Lindsay you know on the move hand the ball off flip them the ball you know whatever you need to do uh, reverses because yeah. they are extremely undisciplined. yes um, a, a reverse against this team is going to make them look ridiculous um especially with the speed that Notre Dame has. I just, I just feel like they should be able to do pretty much whatever they want as long as they execute. That, that's the thing. They have to yeah. execute. They have to fire off the ball like they did against Virginia Tech. Yes. They have to be. They have to bring the fight to USC. And look, it's a night game. You know, it, it it's going to be a, a, you know, a, a great environment. It always is as a night game at Notre Dame. Uh, I feel like the fans actually. You know they're they're pretty lubed up by the time night games roll around, uh, and so they they bring it. You know I, I'll give the fans credit. A lot of times I'm knocking the fans. I will bring the I will give them credit for the atmosphere that they bring for night games. You know that should feed right into the want to for Notre Dame in the run game. That they, they should want to just punish USC for taking that trip. Plus it's going to be cold. It's going to be like in the 40s which for USC, it might as well be snowing, yeah. right? I mean, it this everything is lining up to be in your advantage if you're Notre Dame, and they
2: just need to take advantage of that. And this team and this program, we're talking about USC, they're in a space with Dante Williams, I little bad for him because he probably has assistant coaches sending their resume out, right? Oh, yeah. And then you have players that really don't have anything to hold on to there's no chance of winning the Pac-12. So what are we playing for? And that's why you see this team being outscored 42 to three in the third quarter. Yeah, the last two weeks, which which is crazy. And what that says is we come out, we're excited about the game plan. We're excited to play. And once we get hit in the mouth, we don't have a counter. We just don't have a counter because we can't pull. There's nothing the well to pull from. Right. There's nothing we're really playing for other other than just being out here and being excited. And if you allow them to stay in the game, you're going to have a problem on your hands. But if you punch them in the mouth and you be physical and wear wear them down and take their soul, they'll give up. (laughs) Yes, they will. This team is in the right position for Notre Dame to just bury them if they come out, play physical football. And I'm not worried about the defense. We need the offense to set the tone. The defense has set the tone the entire year. This is a hand. This is a perfect game for Tommy and and the Notre Dame offense to set the tone with physicality from the first series for the rest of the game. Just take their soul, and you won't have to worry about this team.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point because, and we've talked about what the next six games have in store for Notre Dame. Yeah, they the defenses that they're going to face are not good defenses, no. and this is an opportunity to show okay. We're not playing a good defense. Let's take advantage of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, the, look, the defense, the defense they're going to give up some yards. I mean, against this style of offense, they're not you know USC isn't great at it, but they're still going to be able to put up yardage. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about the Notre Dame defense more tomorrow, obviously. Um, but they're going to have their hands full. I'll just yeah. put it that way. The Notre Dame defense is going to have their hands full, so the offense has to step up. They have to be like, look, you guys have picked us up you know, the offense talking to the defense. You guys have picked us up almost every game up to this point. Absolutely. It's our turn to kind of, you know, pick you guys up and make sure you guys are playing with a lead, right? Make sure you guys are playing so that, you know, USC is already feeling the pressure with their offense because their defense is terrible, right? Because Notre Dame is running all over them and taking their soul. Like you said, I, I love that. I think I, I really do think that this is an opportunity for this offense to prove a lot of people or prove to a lot of people that they have what it takes to just be physical. Just be yeah. physical. That's all we're asking for right now because physicality will lead to other things offensively for Notre Dame, and, and the run game can, can set the tone.
2: Physicality and then creativity. That's why I laid everything at the feet of Tommy Reeves. Yeah. You talked about it. If you go watch how teams have attacked USC, it's not just lining up with two tight ends and, you know, 12, like you said, right. 11, 12 personnel. No, you can spread them out, three rec- three receivers and a tight end, and still be physical. Right. You know, you can go four wide and still be physical, depending upon the play call. Because one thing I know, their defensive ends and the lineback- outside linebackers are very young and they just want to get to the quarterback. That's all they want to do. They fly up the field every play. You talked about how undisciplined they are. If you know this early on, use that to your advantage. Absolutely. Maybe you run some draw plays. Maybe you run something off schedule. They might be expecting this, or we're going to go to this in this situation. We're going to give them a similar right. look and make them think we're going to what we've done the previous six games. Uh, guess what? You didn't plan for this. And that's what Tommy Rees has to do for the second half of this season. He has to take what teams are seeing on film and be able to adjust and stay ahead of teams each and every game. And then that starts with the foundation of the physicality. It doesn't – when you tell your team we can only be physical in this formation. Yes. Then what are you saying? You can tell a team, look, we're going to go four wide and we're still going to be physical. Right, knock their butts off the ball, and that they put nine in the box. Then we're gonna <clears throat> pop this quick screen out to the outside and get a big play. It's that simple. Yep, it really is that simple. So I want to see that mindset, like you talked about it, come out, be physical, knock them off the ball, establish the run. Kyra, no reason why Kyron Williams didn't have a hundred yards in this game.
1: Right. No yep. reason. Agreed. I absolutely agree, and you make a really good point in that. You don't have to have three or four tight ends on the field to be physical. It, that's not that doesn't that's not what I, we mean by being physical. You can have just your five linemen doing their thing, and then you've got five other guys going out on routes or, or running the ball or what, whatever the case may be, and still be physical. Like it doesn't have to be thirteen personnel. You don't have to dress Michael Carmody in an eligible number and have him as a tight end. Like you don't. That that is not necessary. And the fact that Brian Kelly brought that up in the press conference yesterday just made me, I mean, hand-to-head. Just like, I mean, hand-to-head yes. immediately. Like, why? Yeah, why
2: did. why are we doing yeah. this? It's
1: not... It I mean, is not necessary.
2: They're just stuck on doing things the way they feel like they need to be done. Right, Mitchell, Mitchell Evans won't be back to the second half. Okay, that's fine. Right. Then go to other sets that will still allow you to be physical. Like, stop being stuck. with Like, we can't do it unless we have two tight ends. So let's move a guy that's – he's not as athletic as Joe all. No. Nope. He's not as good at left tackle as Joe all Right. But let's try to move him to tight end.
1: Right. Right. Let's have him seal the edge
2: Absolutely. at tight end. And, and I think I, I heard you guys mention it. Yeah, let's let the defense know that he's no viable option in the passing game when he comes on the field.
1: Right. That's exactly right that's you're taking a guy off at least when you have a real tight end in the game he's a viable option even yeah. i mean george Takis hasn't been a viable option until the last game where he finally caught a pass he, he's been targeted one time and he caught a pass for 15 yards woo like that you should be sending him out on routes more often yeah. because people look at him as a tackle right now they don't look yeah. at when 85 is on the field that he's a viable you know threat in the pass game and if you're going to put Michael Carmody in, in number forty-five or whatever number that you're going to put him in, they, they know he's not a viable option. This isn't the NFL where they're going to throw to a, a you know a tackle. It's not going to happen. They they they've watched enough Notre Dame film to know that they're not throwing to that guy. Just like they never put Joe Alt when he was wearing forty-five and he was in yeah. there as the third tight end, they didn't put him out. You know, in a pass yeah. route, it's just it's just not going to happen. And you're not fooling anybody. So why are we doing
2: it? And it's so confusing. His press conference yesterday was, it just had me spinning, almost <laughs> like someone had hit me in the head with a bat. And the birds <laughs> were just spinning around the top right. of my head. I'm like, what, what are you saying? Like, you know, when he, I, I think it was uh, Tyler who asked the question about the two Jack Combs. Yeah. Right. And how do you get him to perform the way he does to close the game early on in the game? And he goes into this whole soliloquy the game plan and usage of Tyler Buckner. So basically, we can't be physical with Jack Cohn early in the game. Right. So we have to bring in Tyler Buckner to be physical and to wear the defensive line down so that when it comes to the fourth quarter, they can't pass rush because Tyler Buckner has worn them down in the middle of the game. And it's like, what are we talking about?
1: Good question.
2: It's like we can only be physical with certain packages. Right. So you're saying I don't have a physical football team. So I have to create packages to where they can be physical. And then we can wear the defense down. And then Jack Cone can come in and be the quarterback we believe he can be. And I was so confused. It made no I was sense. so confused. And I'm like, oh, so now we're using Tyler Buck. Right. We're not bringing him in to actually develop him. This is your package. This is your purpose. Wear the other team down. And then we'll win it with Jack in the end. Right. Totally confused.
1: Yep, that makes two of us. Believe me, that makes two of us. So, <sighs> on paper, this looks like it should be advantage USC. Uh, right. You know, as we're as we're looking at these numbers, it sh- mm-hmm. it should be advantage USC. Yeah. So, I'll ask you, Sean, who do you give the advantage to in this matchup?
2: I give the advantage to know today. The numbers are skewed because, honestly, USC does not play in a physical conference. They play in a conference where people like to throw the ball. So those rushing attempts and the rushing attacks that they faced really haven't been strong rushing attacks. But somehow, some way, teams still find a way to run the ball against them. Right. So that bodes well for Notre Dame. Teams that really don't even focus on running the ball find a way to make that the key point and keep part of the game plan when they're facing USC. Tommy Reese follows suit.
3: <laughs>
2: Every other offensive coordinator can take their pride and put it to the side. And even though they might want to throw the ball 30 to 40 times, they see USC on the schedule and they say, we can just push these guys, these guys around. And eventually I can get to my passing game and play action and some of the other actions off of a physical running game that sets the tone. Absolutely. i
1: This is, you know, after what I saw um, against Virginia Tech, because going into Virginia Tech, Brian and I gave the advantage in all three categories, you know, run game, pass game, scoring. We gave it all to Virginia Tech against Notre Dame's offense because they just hadn't shown us that they're going to win any of these matchups. Right. And if. I didn't see what I saw against Virginia Tech. I would still be on that bandwagon where until we see something, I gotta yeah. go with the opposition. Um but but I did see some improvement. Okay. So 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 number one, I saw improvement from the offensive line. I saw five guys that are giving it everything that they've got, which that's all I'm asking for right now. That, that's it. Yeah, so my bar is not high. I'm asking you to fire out the football, drive your legs, you know, look like you've played offensive line before. And I'll, I will also say that I was pleasantly surprised that Brian Kelly is going to stick with the five guys that he's going to stick with. He, he's yeah. going to stick with Alt at left tackle. He's going to stick with Kristoffic at left guard. Uh I personally would still like to see Josh Lugg at right guard and then, you know, somebody else at right tackle. Mm-hmm. But, he he, at least gave me the left side. Right, <laughs> I'll take what I can get at this point. And then you throw in the fact that USC is just horrible uh, on defense. It, it, tackling is just terrible, and you're and and they're not. They can't hold up. They just. I mean, whatever you think the definition of they can't hold up is they can't hold up that they can't hold up at the line of scrimmage. They don't hold up tackling wise guys are running through their arm tackles. They are running through tackles, period. Um, Opposition are always falling forward against USC. I mean, it is, there's been a couple of plays where they've gotten lucky and they've brought numbers and they've, they've, they've found a gap. Uh, But other than that, they're not making plays on their own and, I just don't see them making a bunch of plays in this one either. So my, I'm gonna give Notre Dame the advantage here in the run game. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, that Notre Dame has an advantage in the run game against anybody, but against USC, they do. Uh, oh, they and, do Yeah, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. So
2: yeah, I rarely watch a team that's bad on all three levels on one side of the ball. And right now that that's USC. Yeah. They don't have any trust in one another. Right. So everybody's out of position. Everybody's trying to make <laughs> a play when they're not supposed to be in that position and they leave their position open and big plays, big plays down the middle can happen all night against this team. The, the <laughs> Right behind the linebackers and right in front of the safeties, Yep. Against USC, that's the promised land. mm mm-hmm. You can get big plays there all night long because the linebackers are <clears> undisciplined. <throat> They're trying to help out, you know, a defensive line that's really not penetrating and making plays. They're trying to come downhill. The defensive ends are just coming. I mean, Tyler Buckner would probably have a big game. If Tyler Buckner played all four quarters, Notre Dame would still win this game. I agree. Tommy Rees called the correct game.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Because Tyler Buckner, he would take advantage of the defense and the, the undisciplined of being out of position all night long, and he's good throwing down the middle of the field. Yeah, if Tyler has to throw to the outside, that's when his inaccuracy accuracy comes up a little bit more. But crossing routes across the middle, tight ends, all of that, we'll get to it. I'm sure we will talk about right. oh, yeah. the passing offense, but that's our next stop. Yeah
1: absolutely. So, all right. So, uh, let me do this. Okay. So we are going to, uh, talk about the pass game, the Notre Dame pass game versus the USC, uh, passing defense. And let me pull this up here real quick. All right, here we go. Okay. So there's the numbers for you. And, uh scarily enough, the numbers actually benefit Notre Dame on paper. Um, which I think speaks more to USC than I think it does to Notre Dame. Uh, because you know, I don't think anybody would say that they're necessarily afraid of Notre Dame's pass game up to this point. Uh at the end of games, yes. Uh, but overall, probably not, because you know, you 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 figure in that number there at the bottom, the 24 sacks allowed. Uh, ranks them 126th but usc only has 10 sacks total um in i think six games so you know they are obviously not getting to the quarterback that often um and they are allowing just crazy efficiency you know this this usc defense you know we talked about the fact that they don't tackle very well so that doesn't make them very good against the run game well they don't tackle very well in space either. Yeah. And on top of that, they're not disciplined in their drops at all. I mean, just it, when they're in zone, it, there are holes everywhere. I mean, there's holes everywhere. I There there was one play against Stanford where the kid was getting sacked and just kind of chucked it up to the middle of the field and found a guy wide open. I mean, there wasn't yeah. a USC defender in the neighborhood. Um, that's not okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it, it was – this defense is that bad. I mean, they are that bad. They, they've they've been able to pull down some interceptions because the Pac-12 likes to throw the ball around, so that that's their best number. But they've had a lot of opportunities, too, to pull down, you know, interceptions.
2: Absolutely. They do have one really good defensive backup like Isaac uh, Austin Taylor. He's really good, number six. He'll probably be lined up in Kevin Austin, trying to be physical with him. Sure. He's about 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, probably be taking a second, third round of the NFL draft. Uh, I like him a lot, but other than that, you talked about their tackling is porous. Safeties been out of position all season long. Uh, linebackers trying to support a pass rush that they can't create. Yeah, like they're yeah, just yeah, not that's good a really good. Really good point. Pressure. Yeah, and they love to play bump and run, but their bump and run. See, their bump and run is totally different than what we saw with Purdue and Cincinnati and how they were able to take Kevin Austin out of his game because it's an actual bump and run. USC just runs with you. That's it. Right. They don't touch anybody. They're not physical. And they that play
1: plays them. right into Notre Dame's hands, to be honest with you. Uh, absolutely. They're great at getting off the line if nobody's chucking them.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So you'll see early in the game, they'll be playing run. I can't call it bump and run. They'll play, be playing run defense. Uh, with their uh, defensive backs, and then after they get hit with the play action, they'll go back to a zone in the second half, and then teams really pick them apart because the middle of the field is even more wide open. So with all that being said, one of the things that sticks out to me when I look at these numbers is that the 64% completion is allowed. I mean, they they really haven't faced elite quarterbacks. Nope. Like we're not talking about elite quarterbacks here, and they're still giving up 64.1%. That's just not good. <laughs> so, you're telling me you have a defense that's undisciplined, your defensive backs okay, but they really don't have great bumper run technique. They're just running with wide receivers and allowing wide receivers to go wherever they want to go, and you're not creating pressure, which means you try to blitz your linebackers to create the pressure, and you're still not successful. Into the quarterback, and now you have this big, wide-open area in the middle of your defense where completions are just happening at an alarming rate for a defense. That, to me, is a clear sign. You know what, Michael Mayer? They say you're 100. Yeah, go have go have a field day, young man.
1: Yeah, go have a day because it's gonna yeah. take three Trojans to bring you down once you catch the ball.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> George Tackes. We'll get you two catches this week. Yeah, instead of one. Mitchell Evans, when you show up at halftime, we'll get you in the game plan. Oh, by the way, we go three wide receivers. Hey, Avery, run a couple of posts. You know, run a crossing route that you've been able to catch when Tyler Buckner is in the game. This Tommy Rees has so much on the plate that he can really go at. But like we said earlier, just be physical first. Like it's a lot you can get to. And there's a lot you can use to attack this defense. But be disciplined in your play calling and allow your running game to set everything up. Yeah. And then when you get to the second third quarter, you can go do whatever you want to do. Because I right. believe at that point in time, they'll let go of the rope as a defensive unit. It's only a kick,
1: pressure! a jump, a block, And, you know, this is an interesting game for me because I feel like I would be okay if Notre Dame tried to establish the run first. I I would actually, you know, the first six games, I'm like, you're not a running team. This isn't going to happen, you know, but I feel like this USC defense is that poor uh, that I would be okay with Notre Dame attempting to establish the run because then it will open up everything else uh, to them, and they will have a field day the rest of the way, whether they want to run it or whether they want to pass it. Yeah, Uh, you know, I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying go 13 personnel and pound it. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying spread it out, run a little tempo, and run the ball while running tempo. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? I'm okay with establishing Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree or Logan Diggs or whoever it happens to be. That's taking handoffs. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, because I think that will open up even more the passing game. And on top of that, this is a game where I think Jack Cone can excel because there's going to be dudes open and Mm -hmm. his strength is sitting back there and finding dudes that are open. Um, so if this offensive line can give him any time whatsoever, which I think that they can do against this front, against this yeah. this USC front, um, I, I think he's gonna have a field day as well. And and they're gonna have to start rushing three uh or four and a drop, you know, that kind of a thing. And they're yeah. not gonna be able to get pressure on him because they're gonna be worrying about the fact that there's so many holes. Uh, you know, uh, in their zone, or there's guys running crossers, and they're running away from these USC guys, or or whatever, whatever the case may be. Jet Cone's going to find open guys, and he's going to hit them because he is accurate. That that 58.5 percent as a team is terrible. It's terrible. It's not good. It's that's not winning football. Uh, I don't anticipate that being the case. I I anticipate them completing 65 to 70 percent of their passes in this game.
2: I agree with that. And another thing. That's going to be on the plate for Tommy Reese to use. If you watch USC, especially the last three games against, uh, well, specifically Stanford, the uh, Washington State game, and the Utah game. Running backs had a field day in the passing game. Yes. So arrow routes out of the backfield, you know, routes to the sideline, quick swing passes because of their poor tackling. Right, if You can get it to a running back. You can get it to Kyron Williams. You can get it to Logan Diggs. We saw Logan Diggs catch a big ball over the middle late in that Virginia Tech game that eventually led to the game tying touchdown and a two-point conversion. Oh, yeah. Get these guys out and routes out of the backfield, especially now as you gain more confidence in that offensive line and your running backs don't have to stay in as long to help, get them out, arrow routes, quick quick pitches and quick throws to the outside and let them break tackles because you can break tackles and create plays in this game like any other game on this schedule. I don't think – for me, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. Mm -hmm. This is the team I want to call plays against. (laughs) Right. Out of all the defenses, you talked about the defenses we're going to face for the rest of the season. This is the one. That I would target and say, "Oh, this is going to be a fun Saturday night for me. <laughs> this is going to be on my resume tape,
1: mm-hmm. right?" Here. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I, you know, again, we talk about USC being undisciplined. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for some screens, you know, running back screens, yeah. and, and because you know USC is going to be rushing the passer, and they're, oh my gosh, we're getting through, and then right. you're just going to dunk it right over the top, and I mean, it, this. This is the perfect defense to run screens, not just to the running backs, but also to the to the wide receivers. Even run run a screen to the tight end; that, that's fine too. You know, yeah. I mean? mix it up a little bit and and force USC to be disciplined. I think that is the key. For me, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to come. I'm going to be putting some guys in motion. I'm going to be coming out with some different looks as far as formations are concerned. Yeah. Because I I think that you're just going to mess with their heads and they're not going to know what to do. And you're going to end up having guys running wide open.
2: And I think one of the things we saw that I thought was creative. and I don't know how many people actually gave Tommy Reese credit for it. We saw him put the tight end and Kevin Austin inside. In the four wide in the uh, thirteen, or the four wide set, which I thought, yes, move Kevin Austin around. Stop putting him in the same position. Finally, actually let, allow a defense to have to find where he's at. Put him against the nickel back. Put him against the safety.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
2: So now imagine last week that was without Michael Mayer. So now imagine trying to do that with Michael Mayer. Who do you double? Who are you paying more attention to? And now Brayden Lindsey and Avery Davis can have field days on the outside. Exactly. They can have field days on the outside because it's going to be man to man. The safeties have to pay attention to Michael Mayer. Right? And you're going to give Kevin Austin single coverage in the slot? These are the type of creative things that Tommy Reese can do to make everybody better.
1: Right, and we've seen him. We, yeah, we've seen him put Michael Mayer on the outside against yeah. a corner or yeah. against a safety. Yeah, uh, that win Notre Dame. Like right. you know, move him around. You you move all those guys around a little bit. You're gonna find a a matchup that you like. Yeah. There's no question about it. You know, go trips to you know they did this. Um, oh, I forget which game it was, but they had trips to one side and they had Michael Mayer all by himself on the other side, and he was one on one, man to man. Why would you go anywhere else? You know what I mean? like Absolutely. everybody in the stadium knows you're going to
2: 87. stop it. yeah you, you know I, I,
1: yeah, sometimes again, it just makes uh, it just makes too much sense. Yeah, so
2: and we're just at just like we asked for the offensive line to just give us energy and give us effort. and that's all we're asking for. All I'm asking Jack Cohn to do is to be himself that's, right. it. Yep. that's all I want you to do. Don't try to be Tyler Buckner. you know I'm grateful that you were able to scramble to the right by some time. And complete that two point conversion to Kevin Austin. Yeah. That's great. That's not you. That's like a once in a lifetime play for you, Jack call Yep. Yeah. All we want you to do is to survey and be able to navigate the pocket. Move up, move to the side, move to the left, and give yourself just a little bit of time and be accurate with your throws and get the ball out of your hand quickly. That's right. it. And then as the offensive line moves on in the game, the defense starts to tire, then take your time. Because you know you're going to get more time. And right. you should expect to have more time because USC can't rush the passing. Exactly. Well, so this should be a very comfortable game for Jack Cone. He should be at his best.
1: I agree. I th- This sets up nicely for him to kind of – I mean, I hate to call it a confidence game. Yeah. But Jack Cone, I think he lacks a little confidence right now. And it, look, he did a great job You know, yeah. taking him down and doing what he needed to do at the end of the game. Great job. But I think from a start-to-finish standpoint, yeah. like this is a confidence game for Jack Cone, right? And yeah. all, all those Jack Cone haters out there, if he gets his confidence, you're going to be like, okay, we're okay with 17 back there. You know what yeah. I mean? If he gets his confidence back, he gets his mojo back there, and he just starts picking apart a defense, you're yeah. going to see a really good Jack Cone throwing the ball all over the place.
2: And it was weird hearing Brian Kelly use the word urgency. Yeah. Like, well, late in games, Jack has a little bit more urgency. Like, what are you talking about? Right. There's a freshman quarterback breathing down his neck. How is he not going out from the first drive with urgency? Right. Like, I need to play well. Because if I don't, this kid is coming in. Right. And they want him to play more and more every week. There's no way you can say that Jack Cone doesn't have urgency to start a game.
1: Absolutely. Yes. No question. Because I
2: know in his mind... There's urgency. Yeah. For some reason, you as the coach, you don't feel like he has that urgency? Oh, man, that's a disconnect there.
3: Yeah, I agree. Maybe
2: the game plan is not urgent enough to put him in position to make plays early on and make him comfortable enough early on to whereas that urgency can be there. And maybe it's speeding up the offense. Maybe it's going up-tempo because late in the game, he's usually playing up-tempo, two-minute-type drills. Okay, fine. You can go up tempo at certain spots, right? If you're being physical and you say once we get to the 50, this is what we're going to. Sure. And he knows that.
1: Exactly. That once we've been we talking about the the that for a while. It needs to be defined. Yeah. That way he knows, okay, when this happens, he's you know, Tyler's coming in. Great, right. man. Hey, high right. five, you're in, I'm out. Let's go. Right. You know, like but it can't be a looking over the sh- shoulder situation just waiting to get replaced.
2: No, and it shouldn't be, and I think what should help him is keeping the defense on its toes. I'm not saying go up-tempo for the entire drive, but the first four plays or until you get to midfield, we're playing regular offense. Hey, Jack, once we get to midfield or in that area, you get a first down in that area, we're going up-tempo, and this is the play we're going to. Yep. You already know. And just keep it going, keep it going. That change up allows you to have an advantage on the defense. No doubt. It's not so much about doing everything for your guys. If you have the defense not knowing what they want to do, the advantage is already on your side. Right. So as an offensive coordinator, you have to create those type of type of opportunities, not just for your quarterback, but for your offense.
1: Right. No question.
2: So I'm for all of that. Up tempo changes bringing Tyler in a certain spot on the field, certain packages, red zone, like do everything. But all of this, you know, taking Jack Cone out of his rhythm just because? Right. That I don't support.
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. Yep, could not agree more with that. So, uh your advantage in this matchup goes to
2: Close enough to today. Yeah, it has to. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just have no respect for this USC team or either unit. I don't nope. I just don't.
1: Nope. Nope, and it's hard to. After watching them live, it's hard to have a whole lot of respect for this defensive.
2: Yeah, unit. and that, no they're play coming play. off a bye week just like Notre Dame. Right. It's an arch rival. True. I'm sure they're going to be fired up. Uh, for, for all accounts, the they played better on the road this year than they have at home. True. So you're probably going to get an A effort for a small sample size of this game, probably the first quarter and a half. And then after that, I think fireworks offense
1: okay we got one more category to talk about and that is the Notre Dame scoring offense versus the USC scoring defense and here it is uh you know obviously again on paper m- believe it or not Notre Dame, actually on paper it's a little bit even I would yeah. say as I'm as I'm going back and forth kind of looking here uh Notre Dame's averaging 31 points a game which puts them you know 47 which is a little better than half the country uh you know and, and USC is obviously giving up a lot of points they're giving up 27 at, at 0.3, uh, and that puts them at 79 uh it's it's the it's the chunk plays that that worry me uh Notre Dame doesn't have a lot yeah. but USC gives up a lot. Uh so I think something's gotta give there. Uh, you know, the red zone is not good for uh USC. It's trending better for Notre Dame, but it's still not where it needs to be. Um, you know, they're you know <laughs> they're allowing 17 touchdowns in 23 drives. Yeah. That's 73%, seventy-three percent, seventy-three point nine percent. Um they, they haven't given up a field goal though. So, those yep. six drives mean they've turned it over or they've gotten a turnover in there. Right. Uh, they haven't given up a field goal, but they've given up a lot of touchdowns. So, it's like, okay, I, I guess that's good that they haven't given up a field goal, but they've given up 74% of touchdowns. Yeah. So, something's got to give there, uh, obviously, as well. And, uh, you know, they've, they've gotten a lot of turnovers. But, again, seven of those ten turnovers are, are interceptions. Um, and, and like we said, they face a lot of throwing teams, so they have a lot of opportunities to get those kinds of turnovers. So um, third down for Notre Dame absolutely needs to be better. It's not good right now. They're 105th in the country. And USC's third down defense is actually decent. They're, they're top 30. Um, which is which is crazy, based on what I have watched of them. Uh, that it feels like they're giving up first downs all the time, but maybe that's because teams aren't even getting to third down. Uh, maybe that maybe that's what it is because they've yeah. only had sixty eight opportunities, uh, for third downs, and Notre Dame's had ninety three. Right. Uh, so I think that is actually pretty telling. Uh, I don't think teams are getting to third down against this defense.
2: That means you can get whatever you want, Vince. Right. Any down. <laughs> any distance you can get whatever you want against this team (laughs) there will be plenty of opportunities for Notre Dame it goes back to the word you used at the beginning of the show execution yeah if Notre Dame executes they'll put up points it's as simple as that the opportunities would be plenteous on Saturday night
1: yes they will I agree and Again, they're going to be home. It's going to be a great environment. They're, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to score. They're going to have plenty of opportunities, you know. And I said that this was, uh, you know, a game for Jack Cohn, a confidence game for him. This is a confidence game for the offense. Period. Yep. Uh, you know, whether we're talking about the run game and the offensive line, or whether we're talking about the pass game and Jack Cohn, or whether we're talking about Tyler Buckner coming in and running the offense right now, well, an offense that is skewed towards him. That's what you have to do as an offensive core. I have no problem with that. I'm not asking him to come in and beat Jack Cohn, but for him to come in and gain confidence from an execution standpoint with what they're asking him to do, I think, is is huge for him moving forward.
2: Yep, I agree. And like I said, this offense has to set the tone, first with physicality, then executing the opportunities and getting the big plays, putting points on the board, and more importantly, I truly believe the defensive effort we saw against Virginia Tech was a result of great planning from Virginia Tech on how to attack Notre Dame. But even more than that, the effort that Notre Dame had put out in the previous three games defensively to keep this team in the game and keep things where they are, they were a little worn out. Mm -hmm. we, We saw a team that was just a little half step slower against Virginia Tech than they had been in previous games, and the bye week couldn't have come at a better time, especially for our defensive unit. So get out early, score points, get big plays, and unleash a rejuvenated defense because what they can do, once you make the, the USC offense one-dimensional by scoring points and getting ahead, now you let let your, D, your front seven yep. go.
1: Absolutely. Let your
2: front seven go and attack and create turnovers and take full control of the game. But it starts with our offense.
3: Yeah.
2: Set the tone, get the big plays, be physical. The game should be pretty easy. Of course, we're not on the field. It's easy for us to say what should be easy. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, that's the way I see it. That's just the way I see it.
1: Absolutely. And I tell you what, I would love to see – uh, and I know we're going to talk about the defense tomorrow, but this has to do with the offense. If the offense can get the defense a two touchdown lead, oh, you know what I mean. Like it's let's see terrible. what this, let's see what this defense can do with a two touchdown lead in the first quarter. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that that's you know we're talking offense, but they need to go down and they need to finish drives. You know, go go down and finish the first two drives. Let the defense you know get a three and out, and then all of a sudden they're up fourteen nothing. Watch what this defense can do when they've got a lead like that. Like, I, yeah. I really think that that could be just huge for both sides. You know, let that defense just dominate with a two score lead where they're not worried if they make a little mistake that they're going to lose the game because the offense hasn't done their part up to this point.
2: Yeah. And you have to because you anticipate that this defense is going to face 50 plus passes, passing attempts from the USC offense. So the more you can keep time and possession in your favor as an offense and be physical and right. hit on big plays and demoralize the team, yep. by getting out front and allowing your defense to play and get off the field and get the ball right back to you and you score again, then the game becomes pretty much like you said. Tommy Reese can just have his choice of whatever he wants to pick on the play sheet. And at that point, Marcus Freeman is, oh, my God, he's probably rubbing his hands. What? We haven't been in this position before before to be able to truly attack and get after the quarterback like we can. So it's a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm. Like you said, the weather will make an impact as well. Absolutely. uh, In the passing game. Uh, We won't know how windy it will be but for it to be in the 40s. I expect some type of wind. And when you have a team that wants to throw the ball 50 plus times. Hey. <laughs> they, yep. and the thing yeah. about it, that their offensive line is you guys will talk about it. They're just not a physical team right. at all. Right. They're, they're just not a physical team. So if Notre Dame comes out and just bullies, yeah, play bully ball. They'll be successful.
1: Yep, no doubt. So I know this is a formality, but I'm gonna ask you anyway, your uh, who's got the advantage here when it comes to scoring offense versus USC scoring defense?
2: It's definitely Notre Dame. And like I said, the only reason <laughs> the only reason that they'll hold Notre Dame's points down on Saturday as a defense speaking of USC, is if we don't scheme, if we come out and try to pay, play cute football against them and try to throw the ball all over the lot. If we try to do that, they'll make some plays because they can't intercept the ball. They do have some talented guys sure. in the secondary. because I said before, they're just undisciplined and they right. don't want to the tackle. They don't like to play the other part of football. So if we play into that and allow them to create a couple of turnovers – maybe a blitz gets home on Jack Cone or something like that, and it leads to points, then it could be a long day and they can hold the uh, offense down. But if Notre Dame just comes out and establishes the run and they play physical, take advantage of the big play opportunities that are there and then will be there all night, there is no way. And I, I have a bet. I actually bet Malik on this. Uh-oh. Because I think over the next two games, I think Notre Dame can score 40 points as an offense there we go he says there's no chance <laughs> so that's the bet that's great and hopefully i come away a winner on saturday night because i really think notre dame can put up 40 points as an offense that and the defense can't score any of the points to help okay so so it's got to gotta be all, be all offense. offense okay all offense so i need okay. jack cone at his best yes on and saturday he, night yeah
1: he has every opportunity to be that way yeah there, there's no question Every opportunity. So I, I agree with you. I, I'm going with Notre Dame with the advantage here. I just feel like, look, USC has dudes. There's no question about right. it. But there's just so many holes in this defense. And they're just so fundamentally unsound when it comes to tackling and when it comes to any kind of scheme. Uh, they'll make the playground plays, right, if you allow yeah. them to. You know what I mean? Like, they'll yeah. they'll make – if it's one-on-one and you throw up a 50-50 ball, they could go up and get it, yeah. you know. Um, but – if, if you just run your scheme and you you just you just hammer it home I I just don't see how Notre Dame isn't successful here so I, I go advantage Notre Dame as well so that's that's advantage for Notre Dame in all three areas for both of us and I think it says more about the USc defense than it does about the Notre Dame offense but uh you know it, this defense isn't good people and and if you don't believe me go watch some USC film uh there's plenty of it out there on YouTube go watch yeah. it and you will be like holy crap how these guys are on full scholarship okay got it and that's Um, one of the
2: craziest things right because you look at their recruiting over the last two or three years and all you see is four star five star yeah and you know everyone that covers the team out there they're all consistent and saying you know these guys aren't as good as the players that we've seen come to usc before right and that's that's kind of disconcerting, but it also let, lets you see a couple of breadcrumbs of what really took place under Clay Help. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, maybe it's development. Right. You know. You got a bunch of four or five stars, but they're not producing. Like what else could it be?
1: Right. No doubt. So we have one super chat I want to get to before we wrap things up, Sean. Bill, I didn't forget about you, Bill, even though it was about a half hour ago. He says, so thank you for the super chat, Bill. He says, I feel like if BK got out of the way and turned him loose, Tommy Reese would show us a completely different play package thoughts. I would say it would be a little bit different. It would It would be potentially a little bit more aggressive. But it's going to look a little bit like what Brian Kelly is because what else does Tommy Reese know? I mean, he he was obviously a player under Brian Kelly. He's been a coach under Brian Kelly. He's been a coach elsewhere for, I want to say, three seasons total.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, But he's learned pretty much everything under BK, and you are the product of who you learn from. So I think it will look similar, but I think that he's got some more – creativity and a little bit more aggressiveness to him. Um, So it would look different, but not completely different. Sean, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I've kind of been underwhelmed by Tommy Reese as a play caller this year, and maybe that's my own expectations. Sure. Believing that him in his second year, he can take another step forward. And like you said, he's off the Brian Kelly tree. Right. He played under the man. He knows what Brian Kelly wants. Right. And I believe he was put in that position to be able to implement where Brian Kelly wants with maybe a little wiggle room, maybe just a little bit. There's no reason. There is absolutely no reason why Brayden Lindsey and Avery Davis should be touching the ball three to four times on quick screens, reverses, just sweeps per game. There's There's no excuse for that. Agreed. I don't care what defense you're facing, what quarterbacks in the game, There's no excuse for that. right? So the misuse of your talent to this point has been quite evident. And for that, you know, I have to hold them accountable. I have to hold them accountable. It's easy to say, it's easy to go out there and say, we need to get the ball to Kyron, we need to get the ball to Austin, and we need to get the ball to Michael Mayer. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: How can you use them, those three players, to make everybody else better?
3: Right. Absolutely.
2: And get them involved. That's the key. It's easy to get the ball to those three guys because they can create their own opportunities. Everybody else, it might not be that simple. Right. So I need to see Tommy Reese do a better job of using his studs to create opportunities for the other weapons that he has in that offense. And until I see that, I I just don't think we're going to see anything more different than what we would see under Brian Kelly.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Sean, thank you very, very much for joining us. My pleasure as always. Let the people know where they can find the Lucky Lefty Podcast.
2: Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Go ahead, type Lucky Lefty Podcast in. Subscribe. Hit the share button. Hit the like button. Uh, We're growing. and We thank you so much for the influence of Irish Breakdown and everything that you and Brian do. Uh, We watch you guys, and you guys have been great mentors and teachers to us in this podcast lane. We love talking Notre Dame football. We love the Notre Dame fan base, and we're just continuing to grow. You can follow us on Instagram and also Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. And, you know, I'm writing for Irish Breakdown each and every week, uh, giving betting tips and uh, doing predictions with everybody else, part of the Irish Breakdown crew. So super excited. It's been a fun year of college football and it can only get better and go up from here and hopefully we're watching an 11 and one football team is going to a major bowl
1: absolutely absolutely so make sure you hit the subscribe button the like button the notification bell so you know when we are doing our thing brian wanted me to remind everybody that we are doing an irish breakdown tailgate at the usc game uh not sure what the details are yet but we are going to have a tailgate, so if anybody is coming into town for the USC game, uh, we will have information about it. Uh, I'm sure on the website at IrishBreakdown.com, and we'll keep talking about it as we move forward here on the podcast. So make sure you stop by uh, and at least talk some ball with us, uh, and and we'll we'll have a we'll have a really good time. So uh, make sure you stop by that. So uh, for Sean Davis, for myself, and for Brian Driscoll, who's driving home from Virginia. We Same will talk. To, that's right, man. We will talk to you guys next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast.